stops are essential in this ditch safari. They're a time for a breather and a rest just to take pleasure and enjoy the world of needle and thread and all it has to offer. Who knew Stitch could be entertaining? Well, it is. Stitch itself is an interesting word and I'm using it to divert, amuse and hopefully seduce in this episode. Don't believe me? Then jump into this sim simple little tale along with me about the actual word Stitch and how its cohorts have been used in language throughout history as figurative illustrations of our daily lives and relationships. One thing Stitch definitely is not, on this podcast anyway, and that's dull and boring. Come on, let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of Stitch, sewing and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that comprises the art of the needle. My name's Kathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. I'm starting this trek with the origin of the word stitch. It seems the word is a combination of Germanic, Indo-European and even Dutch. And how interesting uh, to note such a wide diversity. I have to wonder though if, it, if trade played a role here at all. I don't know, but they all have a similar meaning. And that is to prick, puncture, stab, thrust with a pointed implement, a pricking sensation or a pain in the side sting. So let's reconnoiter and have some fun now with Stitch idioms, proverbs and truisms. Those funny, silly, irritating little sayings sprouting from that wonderful Old English, Germanic, Indo-European, Dutch word, Stitch, along with some of its Stitch-related contingent. I have to say, right from the get-go here, I thought these idioms began and probably ended with my grandmother and my mother. But how wrong was I? Some of these little gems date back to the 16th and 17th centuries, and even as far back as the Bible. Who knew? So what's an idiom exactly? And I had to look this up to make sure I was on the right track. Joy Levine, an avid linguistics language arts enthusiast, wrote in 2019, an idiom is a word, or more commonly a phrase, in which the figurative meaning is different than the literal meaning. For instance, if we say something's a piece of cake, we don't literally mean a piece of cake with strawberries and cream. No, we mean something's easy or simple to achieve. Or in other words, it's not difficult. Apparently in the 1870s, cakes were used as prizes for winning competitions, and Ogden Nash, that clever writer of rhyming prose, is credited with first using the phrase when he wrote, Her picture's in the paper now, and life's a piece of cake. Similarly, if we say it's raining cats and dogs, we don't really mean cats and dogs are starting to drop from the sky, but 
It relates back to England in the 1500s when cats and dogs used to shelter in thatched roofs of houses, which were often washed away during heavy rain, literally washing the cats and dogs out onto the street. Most of these idioms, proverbs and truisms you'll probably already know, but the history of their origin and first usage is tantalising, if not just a little bizarre. Reach out via the Stitch Safari podcast Facebook page with any suggestions for information you may have so we can all join enjoy them. Okay, I'm going to start with an obvious one. A stitch in time saves nine. Now, we all know this means to tackle a problem while it's still relatively small before it grows into something huge. And surprisingly, it first featured in a 1732 English collection of proverbs by physician, preacher and intellectual Thomas Fuller. Another published source for the use of the same proverb was published in 1856 from Francis Bailey's 1797 journal of a tour in unsettled parts of North America in 1796-97. Now that's a title and a half in which he writes, After a little while, we acquired a method of keeping her, and he's talking about a boat, in the middle of a stream. By watching the movement, she began to vary and thereby verifying the vulgar proverb, a stitch in time saves nine. What Francis is trying to say is that by taking action quickly, he hoped to avert a huge deviation off course, perhaps avoiding landing him in a pickle. His vulgar proverb assertion must be lost in the mists of time because it's totally lost on me. I couldn't find any substance to the use of the term saves nine other than the possibility that it rhymes with time. Sounds good to me. Now, while both these texts evidence the use of the truism in general, it's assumed that the reference was originally taken from sewing and that one stitch taken at an appropriate time could save taking more stitches down the track. Now, to be in stitches is supposed to allude to the physical pain a spasm of last laughter provokes, like being pricked with a needle. Can't say I've ever experienced that just from laughing. However, Shakespeare is thought to have been the first to use this term when he wrote Twelfth Night in 1601. He wrote, If you desire the spleen and will laugh yourselves into stitches, follow me. He was suggesting that you would laugh so hard you'd get a stitch. But the modern meaning used from the 1930s onwards means to be highly amused or to laugh uncontrollably. Pain free, I hope. Hanging by a thread. Now, this could be a title for a blockbuster movie or a good thriller to be read on a rainy night. But no, this idiom harks back to King Dionysius, a Greek tyrant of Syracuse from around 450 BC. Apparently, he held a banquet for a courtier of ancient Syracuse named Domocles, whose constant flattery of his king annoyed Dionysius, prompting him to seat the courtier under a sword suspended by a single horsehair, symbolising his tenuous position at court. So the idiom hanging by a, a thread or the sword of Domocles 
usually means something's about to fall apart or change in an instant. See, nothing dull and boring here. I've certainly heard this term, but I had no idea of its association with military uniforms. And this is what I find so intriguing when you start to dig deeper in research. A simple play on words has resulted in a fun little idiom with a completely disparate meaning. The term bright as a button to me means someone who's clever and I'd usually usually associate that with a child. However, it dates back to 19th century military uniforms which used highly polished brass buttons. It makes the connection that buttons are bright and bright is associated with being clever. I bet the person who, thought, who, who first thought this one up was the person who had to polish all those brass buttons on those uniforms. This one surprised me at how relatively recent it was. Make do and mend. It seems to have been born of unparalleled government intervention into the daily lives of Britons during World War II. Food was rationed from 1940, with clothes uh, clothes rationed from the 1st of June 1941. The British government needed to reduce civilian clothing production to free up factory space and labour for war production. Fabric was essential for war purposes, such as making uniforms, so people had to be careful how they spent their limited supply of clothing coupons and had to be savvy and shrewd in ways to avoid using them at all, as a means to encourage people to revive and repair worn clothing, the government-backed make-do-and-mend scheme was introduced. Creativity became a necessity during British wartime life, with the Board of Trade introducing promotional materials in 1942 featuring a wide-eyed doll character called Mrs So-and-so, who explained helpful tips to promote home sewing along with helpful scissors, thimbles and cotton reels. Laura Clouting posted 10 tips for winning at Make Do and Mend in 2018 with interesting further reading on each tip. It's fascinating research, well worth reading. And just to finish off, through the eye of a needle, maybe not used very often now, it relates to a very small opening or space and is used to emphasise the impossibility of a project or endeavour. Yet the freedictionary.com cites a reference from the Bible, Matthew 19.24. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's interesting to note a stitch-related idiom used in ancient texts. That's been a bit of a tour. My favourite has to be as bright as a button and it's linked with military uniforms. Militaria is such an interesting topic, and it's going to appear on a later episode for sure. I adore uniforms. Thanks for exploring this topic along with me today. I'll revisit idioms, proverbs, and truisms down the track. Even I need a bit of a break from all that sage advice and mixed meanings, but it's fun. On the next episode of the Stitch Safari... We get back into exploring the big four of cloth, this time cotton. Honestly, who doesn't have a love affair with this fibre? I can't wait to explore more. I'll leave you with this little quote by Author Unknown. 
Sewing Mends the Soul. Okay, bye for now. Thank you.